Lisa likes the window seat at night, the lights below that tell her she's nearly home. Then there's the lights she can't see, the runway lights we power to bring her plane safely into land. And because at Energia we also power all of Ireland's streetlights, Lisa's taxi home is that bit safer too. And no prizes for guessing who powers her house. Welcome home, Lisa. Energia, the power behind your power. In a world filled with big sports companies and high-end production podcasts comes a group of guys who paid five bucks for this intro. Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Fantasy. All right, everyone. Well, welcome back to yet another episode of the Eat Sleep Fantasy Football Podcast. I don't know why you're still listening to us if you have before, but thank you for continuing to do so. Uh, if you're new to the show, welcome. We're just a group of guys talking fantasy football. I'm Christian Brito. You can find me on Twitter at CBritoFantasy. My name is Jeff. Joining me tonight, we have, of course, Armando Crespo. How you doing tonight, Armando? Armando Vacilón, Armando Rumba en la calle, Armando la gozadera. What's up, guys? I'm here to stay every day, every night. I thought, Follow me at Thunder Crespo on all formats. I thought you were going to keep rhyming because I was, I was pretty <laughs> I was good. ready for a rap. <laughs> Also with us tonight is Dale DeMott. What's up, Dale? Fuck you, Dale! Fuck you! Yeah, I'm here to stay, that's for sure. Follow me on Twitter. Oh my god, I feel the cringe in my body. That was off the top of the head. Top of the dome. (laughs) You know, I I was almost, uh, I was thinking I was going to get stuck there for a minute, but I just, I pulled that out of my head. Uh, Yeah, just original Dr. Seuss. I thought you were going to say you were almost a rapper, just like you were almost a basketball player, right, Dale? <laughs> I could have been, man. I could have been. Yes. How tall are you, Dale? Let's, like, that doesn't matter. Ask that to Muggsy Bogues. He has, he has some really good moves. I'm not going to lie. I've played against him. He he shook me a couple times. almost broke an ankle, but, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, oh, that's that's surprising, actually. Hey, uh, just really quick, let's give a shout-out to our writers on our site. Um, our podcast sucks, but our writers are even better. Uh, so if you go to our website, go to contributors, um, or you know, look, read all through the articles. But uh, you know, Terry, Bobby, Philip, Jimmy, Mike—they're uh, all doing an awesome job for us uh, with us. Actually, um, have some really good pieces on sleepers and draft strategies and all kinds of good stuff. So go to our website, check it out, follow them all on Twitter. I'm not going to go through the Twitter names because uh, I don't know how to pronounce most of them. Um, but uh, go and check it out and follow them. Dale doesn't know how to pronounce most words. It's not just your Twitter <laughs> handles, guys. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's go ahead. We have a pretty packed show today. We're going to continue our quarterback rankings. We finished off at number 12 last episode, so we're going to be going 13 through 24 and you know beyond. Beyond, yeah, uh, let's get over. Yeah, let's just, you know, we're going to finish the quarterback position today. We're going to be talking to Celan Parekh, the fantasy doctor, to go over some of these injuries and concerns that we have already in the preseason. And last but not least, we're just going to cover some brief, quick little pieces of news. Um, so let's go ahead and just quickly touch some news and notes. News and notes. So to lead off our news tom brady will not be playing tonight's preseason because he cut his thumb with a pair of scissors is this muy importante <laughs> or you you've been absent for like what three weeks or two weeks and you really wanted to be part of that game haven't you yeah drop some spanish on you guys <laughs> uh no it, it's not a big deal is it no let's move on he's fine hey speak oh, speaking toy. of cutting oh, their thumbs Guys, I cut I cut my thumb cutting some bread. I I literally chopped off a piece of it. It really hurt, and I'm, I was bleeding for like four hours straight. I kind of got a headache. Got Did a you save dizzy, the bread? But it's all. I saved the bread, and uh, you know. That's. Did you? It's fine. Did you continue using the same knife? You seem like the type of person that would continue using the same knife. I did. I kept going. <laughs> I, I was really hungry, so I ate the bread and I gauzed up my finger. 
Sounds about right. Yep. All right. I, I, I can't unbuckle my pants now, though. <laughs> I use my thumbs for that. <laughs> um, how about, okay. Uh, let's go, uh, I guess this is just a whole thing on really not news, I guess you'd call it, because uh, I got some not news. Um, Eagles kicker Caleb Sturges was out, or is out, depending on when you're listening to this, Thursday night's Eagles-Steelers game. After suffering a concussion, um, what you guys might not know is he suffered a concussion when a punt hit him in the head during pregame warm-ups. Uh, apparently he wasn't wearing his helmet, and he was being reckless, walking around the sidelines without his helmet on, and uh, football hit him in the head. <laughs> that's like that's like something that happens in a cartoon. Listen, I don't want to make light of a concussion, but this is not really the same thing. This is, he got hit. With a punt my, in the head. My first thought, my first when I first read this news, my first thought was, please let there be video, because it would have to be hilarious. I mean, again, not making fun of concussions, but the football hitting him in the head, he had to have fell on the ground, right? <laughs> like, I just, I imagine him, like, walking down the sideline, like, talking to somebody, you know, doing his normal pregame stuff, and a football just hit him in his head, and he just fall to the ground. Um Jesus, yeah, that's really detailed. <laughs> that's just what I imagine. I'd love up. to see a video of it. <laughs> He's on a cell phone with his wife, (laughs) eating a Snickers. Unfortunately for Caleb Sturges, uh, former Gator, by the way, go Gators, um, is competing for the job of Cody Parkey. You do that all the time. You always do that. Nobody cares if he's a Florida Gator. People do. People do. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this every time you do that. Listen, okay, I went to UF too, but every time you bring up Florida Gators, I'm gonna say Aaron Hernandez was a Florida Gator too. You know who else was a Florida Gator? (laughs) Ryan Lochte. Tim Tebow. Oh, Ooh. Ryan Lochte. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he lied. <laughs> he said he got held up by gunpoint, and uh, yeah, he was really just pissing everywhere. Yeah, you know who else was a uh, a Florida Gator? Cam Newton. You know what he did? No, well, stole laptops. He did steal well, laptops. He... Got <laughs> got suspended, kicked <laughs> out the team. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Went on to become a successful NFL. <laughs> yeah, went on to Auburn and almost got kicked out of there too. Yeah. <laughs> what news do you have, Brito? Uh, my bit of news is actually fantasy relevant, I think, and that's that, uh, you know. What? What? I, I blanked out on his name. I'm sorry. <laughs> Seven minutes RG3. and 22 seconds. No, the, the other guy. Okay, hold on. My bit of news is actually fantasy relevant, and that's that uh, Terrell Pryor caught yet another deep ball in preseason from RG3. Last week, he caught a 49-yard touchdown bomb. This week he caught a 50-yard touchdown bomb. Looking at those predictions, I expect him to catch a 51-yarder next week. <laughs> Good one. So That's two deep balls back-to-back. Yes, Armando, thank you. I know what you're trying to do there, and let's... You, oh, God damn it. Let's not go there. Armando, you bring uh, our podcast down so much. We just lost probably 10% of our listeners. <laughs> of the what? one guy I, that was listening? <laughs> how, do you, how do you lose 10% of one guy? What's 10% of one? <laughs> Point one, Dale. It's point one. We I. How do we have point one of a lost person? His attention. Christian. Lost he cut off his thumb. <laughs> Ooh. All right. Can we get into some right. football? Let's. Wait. Last thing. Trevor Simeon is starting as quarterback this week for the Denver Broncos. Why are you so excited about that? You really hate Mark Sanchez, don't you? I'm not. A, I mean, Mark. I don't know. I just, just it's, it's, it's a deal. It's a big deal. It's a deal. Kind of, a little bit. <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing that happened that I read. That's a real thing that's happening. <laughs> that's Armando. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's go ahead and get into some of our quarterbacks. Uh, starting off the list, our 13th ranked quarterback off the board. Wait, for for, for those that don't know, uh, the previous episode was Christian Armando and Richard discussing quarterbacks 1 through 12 in our consensus rankings of course 12 being Tyrod Taylor um man I wish I would have been on that episode because I would have roasted you all hey hey you know what though you're not so we're starting with 13 13 in our consensus ranking is Matthew Stafford oh yeah I have him at 11 Armando you got him at 17 and Dale you got him at 14 so you guys you guys need to defend your ranking of Matthew Stafford being low and then uh or do I need to defend my ranking of him being so high? Uh, let's, Armand, Start Armando, you, why do you have him at 17? Why do you? Because that's where everyone um, else has him. <laughs> be, well, my biggest worry is he lost the GOAT of Calvin Johnson, 
And um, I'm not sure if Marvin Jones can replace his shoes, but if he can, I'll move him up, see how he plays in preseason. I will watch closely, but the fact that Calvin Johnson's not there, it's going to take time for Matthew Stafford to build, to build chemistry. Eric Ebron good to get injured a little earlier in the preseason, so that worries me as well. Sort of lacking two big weapons. Yeah. Um, and Amir Abdullah had a terrible season last year. You know, it's not it's no notch against Matthew Stafford. It's the weapons around him have me a little worried. I know they have a great defense and you know a good old O line, but the weapons around him have me a little worried. But if Myron Jones does have a good preseason, I'll move him up a little bit. Um, but you know, that's yeah. my defense. On yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I understand that completely. I mean, when you miss when when you you know, when Calvin Johnson leaves your team, it's hard to say you're going to be better than you were that season. But, um, you know, looking at Stafford's numbers, he hasn't had, uh, in his last four seasons, or five seasons, excuse me, uh, he hasn't had anything worse than a top 15 finish. In his last five seasons, he finished 8th last year, 15th, 4th, 10th, and 5th in fantasy points among quarterbacks. Uh, that's pretty consistent. He was the seventh most consistent quarterback in the last three years with nearly 22 points per game. Um, so a top seven consistent uh, quarterback, uh, I don't think he's so unsafe. Um, wait, where, why do you have him so high, uh, Brito, in the number and that's, 10? And that's that's six-point passing touchdown league. Yes, it is. Even, yep. in a four point, even in a four-point league, he was number nine last year, yep. so it's not like it's a huge difference. Average 20 points per game in that format, which is, I mean – that's really good. People don't realize that he finished as a top nine quarterback um, in in both main formats. Um, for me, that's a guy that, I mean, consensus ranking, he's going as the number 17th quarterback. You do not have to draft him off the board as your 12th quarterback. If I can get him as the guy that I'm drafting as my very last pick in a draft, because that's pretty much where he's going, or if you take him a couple rounds earlier because you want to secure that spot, You've already loaded up so much value at running back, wide receiver, and tight end that you get a guy that's probably going to end up being a top 12 quarterback yet again. The difference between him and Cam Newton, fine, it's going to be up substantial, maybe four or five points per game, but you've already way made up that ground in other areas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just just kind of go back to Armando's, because um, my initial reaction was talking about Kevin Johnson and him leaving and what a big part of that offense was. But if you're going to go with that theory... Um, think about this. Calvin Johnson had eight multiple touchdown games in the last three seasons. That's a lot. Antonio Brown had nine multiple touchdown games uh, in the last three seasons. So if Matthew Stafford is hinging on Calvin Johnson, um, why? how come Big Ben isn't a better quarterback with Antonio Brown who has had more multiple touchdown games? You follow me there? Yeah, I, I get you. And that's kind of the reason why I don't think Big Ben is an elite quarterback. I don't think Matthew Stafford is going to have an elite season like he did back in uh, 2011, right. where he threw for over 5,000 yards and 41 touchdowns and was just absolutely insane. But we've seen him throw at least 4,200 yards for each of the last five years. Yep. Um, he He's a guy that's going to throw anywhere between 27 and 32 to 33 touchdowns. That's what I kind of expect. His receiving core, even though he lost Calvin Johnson, he still has Marvin Jones. He still has Golden Tate. Well, he has the addition of Marvin Jones. He has Golden Tate, the addition of Anquan Bolden. He's got two very good pass-catching running backs in Theo Reddick and Amir Abdullah. I expect them to have you know very good weapons this year, even with the loss of Calvin Johnson. Um, and it's a team that I'll say over and over again, he's guaranteed to throw the ball over 600 times this year. I expect him to throw... 660 plus yeah yeah I, I wouldn't disagree i mean my whole thing about calvin johnson with a multiple touchdown stat it it's just a wide receiver doesn't make a quarterback elite it, it doesn't matter how good of the receiver is i look at julio jones and look at you know antonio brown they have you know their quarterbacks have one of the best wide receivers in the game and they still aren't elite so one one good wide receiver doesn't make or break the quarterback that, it, it helps i'm not going to sit here and say um, that he's going to be substantially better after losing Calvin Johnson, but I just expect him to be pretty close to the same production. And we saw the difference in, in that offense once Jim Bob Cooter became the guy that was calling the place. Yeah. And I love that guy's name. Um, and I, I feel like I want every excuse to say his name. So if we want to talk more Matthew Stafford or anybody Detroit offense, that'd be great. So... Before we move on from Stafford, I just want to say he's going in the 17th quarterback off the board. Come draft day, he's gonna be he's gonna have moved up by then. 
Like that, I think it's pretty ridiculous to have him at 17 when preseason ends, but it could happen. But don't expect him to still be ranked. Armando, explain why you have He's... Ryan Tannehill ranked over Matthew Stafford when Matthew Stafford has had consistent uh, top 15 or top you know 10 seasons. Um, well, I believe in Ryan Tannehill's talent. I am a homer. Um, he has the best weapon he's ever had in Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, Jordan Cameron, Arian Foster, and um, and Adam Gase is a big pump to him. I did, I did never I never believed in the quarterback uh, the coach had last year. Yeah, I believe that this is going to be the year he takes a jump, and I want to be on that train before everyone else is. Okay. Let's go ahead and move into our 14th quarterback off the board right now, uh, consensus, and that's Jameis Winston. I believe in the guy this year. I know Dale, you're pretty similar with me, yeah. having having him ranked. You know, <laughs> as a top. What where you have him a top twelve? You have yeah. him as your yeah, eleven quarterback. Yeah. I'm thirteenth. Um, you know, the other guys have him a little bit lower, but uh, really, I mean, he threw for over four thousand yards in his rookie year. I I see him having pretty much the same production as far as. Uh, you know, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, maybe regresses a little tiny bit, but he has so much room to grow in the areas of passing yards and passing touchdowns with the return of Mike Evans um, with only three touchdowns last year from Mike Evans. I expect that to go up and I expect him to be coming into a second year where he's just ready to go. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple things. One, Mike Evans is going to be a huge help with him. Uh, you know, we talked about it a couple times already. The fact that he only had three touchdowns last season, that's going to jump up, and which is going to help uh, Winston a lot. On top of that, we have Sims in the backfield. They're talking about using Sims a lot more, which is going to help Jameis Winston a lot, uh, especially with the dump down passes and things like that. I think Sims is going to have a pretty decent year this year. Um, I'm, I'm irrationally in love with Mike Evans. Yeah. And, um, well, you made the argument that a elite receiver doesn't necessarily make an elite quarterback, mm-hmm. it definitely helps. It, it does. You're right. It does for sure. Um, I'm gonna throw some. I'm gonna throw some numbers at you, uh, really quick. So well, don't uh, don't throw them at me. Just say them. I'm gonna Jesus. I'm gonna throw them at you and stuff them down your throat. Okay, that's weird. You're making it weird, Joe. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, last year you said you know you finished the 13th best uh, quarterback with over 4,000 yards. You had just 22 touchdowns. Um, now, if you're looking at all the players who threw for at least 4,000 yards. Winston had the second fewest touchdowns in the league. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Yeah. I knew it was going to be Matt Ryan. <laughs> yeah. It had to be Matt Ryan. Yeah, well, you know, Winston had 22 touchdowns. Matt Ryan had 21 touchdowns. That's kind of a reason why I believe a little bit in Matt Ryan. Not so much to have him in anywhere near my top 14, but I, I think he'll have a, a a regression in the right direction. Yeah. I don't know if that's a thing. But. Well, it, it, let me just break this down for you. Okay, so... If you look at the average touchdowns from all the quarterbacks who threw for at least 4,000 yards, that would be 30 touchdowns average for quarterbacks who threw at least 4,000 yards. So you can kind of use that projection to look at Winston saying, okay, if he could throw for 4,000 yards again and he hits about that league average of 30 touchdowns, that would have put Winston in the top five last year. Um, I, and people – I want to just yeah. piggyback. It's not just Mike Evans. People forget – you still got old man Vincent Jackson over there yep. who That's what I've been saying. All right. Whoa. You get so excited when I bring up people you like. Like you just scream in those moments. Um, I'm just saying I I talked about him like our second episode, Vincent Jackson's a steal and draft, take him a last pick. Um and I I'm starting to uh you know, rise a little bit. I think Jameis Winston will be just fine. And James and uh Vincent Jackson, if he's healthy Opposite Mike Evans, you know, Mike Evans is still the the elite, you know, alpha in that offense, but that doesn't mean that the B guy, the second guy in that offense can't produce. We've seen plenty of offenses that can support two wide receivers, and they're going to they're gonna try to throw the ball a little bit more than they did last year. Yeah. Okay. For those, for those of you listening, you can follow along at our website. We have our rankings. We have our consensus rankings along with individual rankings on there, all provided to you by Fantasy Pros because we are, uh, quote-unquote, expert rankers on fantasy pros we're just rank we're just rankers <laughs> we're rankers they give us the expert label that's they're that's crazy of them um <laughs> so the 15th quarterback in our consensus ranking is Derek Carr yeah I have him right at 15 Armando you have him at 12 Dale has him at 18 so I'm gonna let you two guys handle this 
Dale, why are you low on Derek Carr? You know, uh, throughout the preseason, I've been, I've been, he's been raising more and more for me. Um, raisin, raisin, Rising. raisin. <laughs> he wants. <laughs> he's grapes. Oh God. I mean, I had him. I had him uh, like twenty three when the preseason started. I moved him up to eighteen. Um, when regular season comes up, I might start keep moving him up depending on how they're doing in preseason. Um, I do think that Derek Carr has a skill level. Um, through he has a skill level. What the hell are you talking about? Listen, I said the. Of, I said the. No, no, no. Listen, if any of our listeners uh, are good with Photoshop, please send pictures of Derek Carr as a raisin to <laughs> at Dale <laughs> at Dale underscore fantasy. I because... meant to say he was raising in my no rising. I... Raising. Dale, what is going on? You messed it up again. Yeah, I did mess it up. <laughs> he's he's a raisin. We get it. Jeez. All right. Let me just talk about Derek Carr for Dale then. Um, I didn't even get to say my point. You guys just made fun of me. <laughs> That's how this podcast so, works, Dale. You already so lost. Carr, Listen, <laughs> you're out. Nobody's going to listen to your opinion on Derek Carr because you said he's a raisin. Hey, hey, really quick. I have one more thing to say. Go fuck Go yourself. Ooh. All right. <laughs> Takes off so, his headphones. So, That's it. He's done recording. <laughs> okay. So Derek Carr last year finished as 14th quarterback. He had almost 4,000 yards, 32 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. I think that's really good for a second-year quarterback. He's going into his third year. We call that a third-year leap. So Derek Carr still has Michael Crabtree. Nothing's changed with Amari Cooper. He's, they're all coming back together another year together. There's no reason why they should regress. That defense has improved. They added a couple players. I don't see a reason why he would go He would go back besides coaching, whatever. But he should take a few steps forward and finish in the top 12. That's why I haven't ranked that high. Dale? No, I'm not talking about Derek Carr. You know, right. I think he's one of those guys. He's got a very nice uh, one-two punch uh, as far as receivers go. People people continue to underrate Michael Crabtree over and over and over again. And I think coming into this year, they've got you know they've got a one A one B situation, and they're both very talented guys. I expect a small small progression in the in the right direction for Derek Carr. Um, the touchdowns was the one thing that was a little high. I don't necessarily expect him to repeat those numbers, but the yardage, definitely, there's a lot of room to improve on 3,900 yards. Definitely see him throwing well over 4,000 yards this year. Well over 4,000? Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd be surprised if he had less than 4,200 yards. Yeah, I see him around 4,500 this 4,500 year. yards? I'll, yeah. I, I, if I had to project them, I'd put him like at 43. You guys are nuts. It, so you're not believing any of the hype that they're gonna ground and pound. That they're gonna, you know, focus on the run. Latavius Murray is gonna break down. That offense is a whole. That, I, I'm not discounting Latavius Murray either. I think Latavius Murray is gonna be a very nice product of an offense that's going to be better overall. And they've got, I, I, in my opinion, the best offensive line in football. I know everybody goes with the Cowboys. If if they're not one, they're two. So they've got one of the top two offensive lines in football. They have a good run game. It's just they, they're going to complement each other. Latavius Murray in that role in his offense, he's, he may not be an elite talent, but he's going to be the byproduct of a good offense that's going to be that's that. going to be scoring a lot. They, I, the, keep your eye out on the Raiders. I would not be shocked if they won that division. So Ross Tucker said, keep an eye on that offensive line. Latavius Murray is due for a big year. I don't believe in Latavius Murray. I believe in Washington. So that's who I'm. Who, that's who I'm drafting. So as as good as Ryan Fitzpatrick did last year, you still have Carr over Fitzpatrick this year. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick was completely absent this preseason so far. So oh, I'm well, going with Derek Carr. He's been it's preseason. Go ahead. It's preseason. Yeah, but still, I mean that that's that means He's a lot. Preseason you know? like last this... year too. Was he? How? When did he come yeah. in? When did he come in, Dale? Well, he wasn't even going to start to begin the season. But he was there. He was practicing with the team. He was with the team, right. you know, leading right. up to camp. Well, he has a bigger beard now. Yeah, but he shaved off his hair. <laughs> so Damn. that's kind of important. All right, so the next guy on our list, the 16th quarterback off the board, is Tony Romo, Mr. Broken Collarbone himself. Defend yourself, Armando, because I, uh, while on a points-per-game basis, um, he may be fine. If there's anybody that's one hit away from being out for the season at the quarterback position, it's Tony Romo. Like, that guy cannot stay healthy. 
All right, so in 2014, he finished number 13. He only played 15 games. The guys above him played 16 games. Um, he's gonna If he plays full season, I can't predict injury. Nobody can. I am extremely worried about his injury history. But if I if he's healthy going into the season, if Des Bryant's healthy, if Ezekiel Elliott's healthy, those are a lot of big ifs, there's no reason why he shouldn't finish inside the top 15. He has the talent around him. He has a great offensive line. Terrence Williams is there. The coach is pretty great. The defense is average. So there's no reason why he wouldn't finish in top 15 as long as everyone's healthy. That's a big question Listen, mark. And if someone's not healthy, I'll move him down. But right now, everyone's healthy. And you can't you can't sit here and talk about Tony Romo not being healthy. I mean, last year, yeah, he broke his collarbone, um, blah, 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 all that good stuff. But before that, for, the four seasons before that, from 2011 to 2014, he only missed two games. And it was one game in 2014 and one game in 2013. He's been pretty productive. I mean, his his numbers haven't been great since 2012 when he hit almost 5,000 yards. Um, but uh, I wouldn't worry about his injury. But he's this year. he's not. I, I don't know why people consider him to be an elite fantasy option. He's not. He's the two healthy seasons where he had 15, where he played 15 games in each of them, 3,800 and 3,700 yards. I mean, for a guy you're drafting this late, maybe. But there's just guys that are just gonna be in offenses that are going to throw the ball more what do they want to do in dallas with a terrible defense they want to try to keep the ball as long as possible they're going to use their backs as much as possible they're going to be one of those teams i i I think this year that will try to have a much higher run pass split than they have they're going to try to go back to the demarco murray style of offense um even when i just don't even when they had demarco murray he was still throwing for 30 plus touchdowns Okay, let's 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 take this point by point. Injury concerns, right? If you're not concerned about a guy that broke his collarbone twice last year, is having back problems in the off season, that they've already been trying to figure out their the backup situation there. If Tony Romo plays 16 games a season, I would be shocked. We're not saying we can't count on injury. Right now, he's healthy, and since 2011, he's not healthy right now. He's not healthy. Is he practicing? All right. Well, since 2011, 2014, he, if he's played more than 15 games, he's finished in the top 13. He has. To, if he plays all 16 games, he's going to finish in there, if not higher. There's no reason I can't have him in that spot. And I'm not saying he's elite, but if he's healthy, he's a very viable fantasy starter. Yeah, I mean, and any quarterback that's going to throw for 30 plus touchdowns is going to be is going to be startable. Add, okay, that's fine. I don't disagree. That's why he's 13. He's not a starter. He's a bench player. I have him at 19, just just for reference, guys. The, ne- right. the next guy on our list, and um, I guess we're going to have the opposite discussion here, and, and it's a guy that I'm, I'm feeling a little bit shakier on as the, uh, the offseason continues. Our 17th quarterback is Andy Dalton. What do we want to say about Dale, Andy Dalton? He was, Dale's super low. Dale's yeah, the lowest and, on And I'll tell you exactly why, and it's going to be just a quick little snippet for you. Um <laughs> Marvin Jones, Mohamed Sanu, uh, Hugh Jackson, Tyler Eifert. Um, and Brandon LaFoe. <laughs> uh, yeah, so tell me again uh, who he's going to be throwing to besides A.J. Green. Yeah, so that is that is genuinely the concern. So I moved him down with, all, with the Tyler Eifert injury. I moved him down to about 12 because I had him in the, in the preseason, early in the preseason. I had him at 8 until Tyler Eifert went down. Then I moved him to 12. Now I've moved him down to 14, um, and he might go even lower. Last year he was phenomenal when he played and all his weapons were there. But the issue is his red zone target, as much as I love A.J. Green, was Tyler Eifert last year. And it's still going to be Tyler Eifert when Tyler Eifert's healthy. That's the number one guy that he looks for in the red zone. And while I think... A.J. Green will probably make up a little bit of those numbers this year. He can't continue to be the only weapon in that offense. And so I love A.J. Green. I think he's one of the most underrated players as far as the quarterback position in the NFL because I think he's a very competent upper-half quarterback that does put Did up he, fantasy yeah, numbers. He, yeah, he said A.J. Green. You mean Andy Dalton. Yeah, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, he's He just needs to have healthy weapons. If Tyler Eifert... If everything happens where Tyler Eifert's healthy to start the season and now he's got 
three competent pass catchers in AJ, in AJ Green, Tyler Eifert, and Gio Bernardo in the backfield, I would feel much more confident about his his standings right now as as it sits. I have him at 14 only because I, I don't know who he's going to throw the ball to outside of AJ Green. Right, and don't forget about, I mean, I don't know a ton. I don't know a ton about coaches and coaching, but I do know that Hugh Jackson had played a big part in that offense, and him moving on, um, I think is going to hurt Dalton. I don't think a lot of people are talking about that. You know, they see you know Marvin Jones is a new leaving, but I think Hugh Jackson had a big deal with his success last year. All right, so let's let's go ahead and transition into our number nineteen quarterback off the board. Um, Here's where it's going to start getting a little bit interesting. It's it's going to be based a lot on personal preference at quarterback. If you're if you're going this late, uh, more than likely you're drafting a uh, Tom Brady backup for the first four weeks, yeah. or you're in a two quarterback league. Yeah. Because at this point, um, most more no more than half of your league will draft two quarterbacks. Um, because if you have one of those top six guys, you probably don't need to draft another one. So at this point, you're just throwing darts. So our 19th quarterback off the board is Ryan Tannehill. So Can I kick this off, guys? Can I kick it off? Sure. So when we're talking about Ryan Tannehill, I want to throw out last year because they fired their fucking coach. So if you look at 2014, 2013, he finished both seasons inside the top 11. I see him getting closer to those numbers. He passed for almost 4,000 yards in 2013 and 4,000 yards in 2013. 2013 was almost 4,000. 2014, he actually passed for 4,000. I see him being closer to that with Adam Gase coming in as a quarterback whisperer. Best weapons, as I said before, he's ever had. Jarvis Landry, Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Jordan Cameron. We talked about all this already. The running back by committee is going to be great for him. Kenyon Drake's going to be awesome. Towards the end of the season, draft him. So I feel like he has the most upside. If you're looking for a quarterback outside the top 12, he has very good chance of finishing inside the yeah. top 12. Yeah, Tannehill was kind of sneaky last year. I mean, he had 4,200 yards and 24 touchdowns. Um, if he can get his touchdowns up a little bit, um, you know, he has the hands of Jarvis Landry um, ready for him. So, uh, yeah, he, he could break out and be in the top 12. Listen, his yards, his total yards every year have gone up. Here, Here's what didn't go up last year. His completion percentage went down. So his dick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was all counting of, on Armando for that one. <laughs> all of last year, it didn't go up. That's not good, man. Go see a doctor. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> all right. Also, I want to say that last year was also his lowest rushing yards. He usually yeah. finishes around 300 to 200, so that's something to keep track of. I think he'll finish closer to 300. Armando, please year. apologize to the listeners for uh, screaming in their ears just now. It's, Sorry, guys. This is a Sorry, guy that he's excited about. He's a he's a Dolphins fan. Um, listen, you didn't let me get into my stats, and last year he did rush for less yards. God damn it, that's it. That's all I had, man. <laughs> he's he's passed for more yards. He passed for less touchdowns last year. I think less touchdowns, less rushing yards was a little bit of a disappointment last year. But he still threw the ball fairly well. Um, it's an offense that should be a little bit improved. He's got better weapons this year. He's got the addition of Adam Gase. If he was to finish within the top 15 quarterbacks, I I would not be sh- surprised at all. No. Um, so I think he's... If he's, ava- if he's available in your dynasty league, keep your league, I would recommend drafting if you don't have someone like Aaron Rodgers or Andrew Luck. He's someone that keep an eye on, see how he develops another year yeah. under... The quarterback whisperer. This is that's my opinion. This is a make or break year for him. Honestly, my honest opinion about Ryan Tannehill is if he does not improve this year, they're going to be making a change in Miami. I don't think they need to make a change in Miami. I think he's a good quarterback. They just need to get the defense going properly. Yeah, we'll see how he does this year. Seventeen point eight fantasy points per game last year, after nineteen point twelve fantasy points per game the year before in a four point standard league. So um, those are okay numbers um we'll see how he can do this year i think his ranking is just about right at the 19th quarterback yeah yeah i do too i mean yeah yeah we, we can move on our number 21 quarterback off the board right now is matt ryan a guy that i personally have at 17 we talked about the 
low touchdown numbers for Jameis Winston earlier in our rankings. Another guy that threw over 4,000 yards last year but did not have the touchdowns go along with it is Matt Ryan. So late in drafts, he might be a guy that you should keep an eye on. Anything to say there? He's never going to be a guy that's going to win your league, though. No, no, he's not. He's not. I mean... He's just not that guy. No, and like I said... If you're talking about a guy that could be 10 to 12 and will not shock anybody if he's the 12th quarterback... Yeah. That's Matt Ryan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, as good as Julio Jones is, he's not going to put Matt Ryan in, in the upper tier of quarterbacks ever. Matt Ryan has two two guys and two guys only that he's going to be throwing the ball to, and that's Julio Jones for like 200 targets. Yeah. <laughs> And that's Devonta Freeman for, like, another 80. Yeah. And that's it. Yep. All right, so let's wrap this up with quarterbacks 22, 23, and 24. Marcus Mariota, that's an offense that's going to be running the ball a ton. Um, what do you guys think about Mariota? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I watching Marcus Mariota last year, I was really intrigued, and I really liked him. I think he's sharp. He throws crisp passes. He's accurate. Um to be, I have him at 21. The consensus is at 22. We all have him around the same same ranking. Um, he's probably right where he should be going in, in most drafts too. But he's he he's a good football player, man. He surprisingly did not run the ball much for a guy that you kind of expected that to be a role in his game. Yeah. Um, he was the epitome of inconsistent quarterback play. Um, you have weeks of four touchdowns. He had four weeks of three touchdowns or more and then you have four five weeks of zero touchdowns yeah like that's just a guy who you're playing daily fantasy you've got the tremendous upside of 370 yards and four touchdowns or you've got the downside of zero touchdowns and a pick or two yeah yeah all right all right so coming in at 23 we've got jay cutler uh, I don't like Jay Cutler this year, man. I, I'm liking him less and less. Yeah, I, I've never liked Jay Cutler. I've never been on that bandwagon ever. Um, I don't think that uh, Alshon Jeffrey is going to be the, you know, the elite, great, you know, top. I Alshon Jeffrey will never be a top five wide receiver, I don't think. Um, and Kevin White, I'm still iffy about. Um, I'm just, I'm not crazy about that offense or that team in general. Sorry, Bears yeah. fans. So their offensive line seems to just be getting worse yeah. throughout the entire offseason. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. Um, I'm, I'm pulling up here where he finished as far as fantasy points amongst quarterbacks uh, he's last 28. year. He was 28th in fantasy points? Yes, per game. I'm sorry, okay. per game. Okay. So um, he did play a full complement of games last year. Um as far as total quarterback points, he finished, let's see here. This is great audio right now going on. Oh, yeah. I, he he finished as 21 last year yeah. in 15 games. I apologize. He did miss that one game. 21st quarterback last year. Yeah. <laughs> After, that's like his best season with Adam Gase last yeah. year. That's the 21st quarterback. He's just not a guy who's going to give you a great I mean, fantasy season. Josh, McC- and that's- Josh McCown and Blaine Gabbert had more fantasy points per game than Jay Cutler did. So think yep. about that. And that's that's why he's down here. And then we'll wrap up our top 24 right now with Alex Smith, the sneaky rusher Alex Smith last year. Yeah. <laughs> like if there's if there's any guy that you'd be shocked to see his, his season-ending um, rushing totals was Alex Smith. And he, he was fairly competent as a quarterback last year as well. Um, coming in at 24. Again, another guy that I would be okay having as my quarterback two in a two QB league. He he doesn't throw for a lot of touchdowns. That's his issue there. But he did, again, rush for almost 500 yards last yeah. year. That's a lot. And the only problem is, I mean, now could we say this could be sneaky? I mean, he rushed, for, like you said, almost 500 yards, 498 yards, and only two touchdowns. you got to think if he continues to rush like that, you, you can get some good points uh off of him for rushing touchdowns. He has to get more than two if he's going to rush for 500 again, right? Yeah, it's an offense that specifically 
likes to hand it off to their backs in the red zone. That's why they had a couple yeah. a couple years ago no wide receiver touchdowns and why people were low on Jeremy Macklin coming into the 2015 season um, is that they didn't expect those wide receiver touchdowns. It's an offense that's very predicated on the run in the red zone. Um, so, you know, 20 touchdowns last year passing, he's, he's, he's an okay guy. He's going to be – he is the definition of a game manager. Yeah. Hey, really quick, guys, uh, now that we're done talking about this stuff, I'm just thinking, okay, Caleb Sturgis gets hit by a punt. What are the chances of that? Like, think about it. Out of all the space in the field, the punt lands right on top of his head and gives him a concussion. Like, that has to be like one in trillions that that'll happen. Probably uh, probably better than us having a successful fantasy football podcast, the chances of that. And not not only like not a- only a punter kick, you know, kicking the ball and hitting somebody, but hitting a kicker. That, that that's even I mean think about it. there's how many people were on the field at the time hundreds right and out of all those people you hit a kicker this is like an old country for old for for no men <laughs> what is this no country for old men reference with the quarter oh, yeah, flipping yeah. this quarter <laughs> this quarter came here if it, whatever let's move on <laughs> all right let's get right into the interview with uh, Doctor Celan Perek Doc- yep uh, fantasy doctor. All right, well, joining us again tonight, we have Dr. Celan Perek, the fantasy doctor. Uh, probably got a resume longer than uh, than anything I've ever looked at. Bringing up the <laughs> IQ, bringing up the IQ of our uh, our show in general, especially you know with me and Armando on the pod right now. So, how you doing hey. tonight, Dr. Celan? I'm great. How are you guys? Very, very well. All right, so. Doc, let's let's go ahead and get into some fantasy questions. I, I do want to start it perhaps a little bit more general than than specific players. And I want to talk a little bit about first concussions. Um, we've seen concussions be a huge issue all across the NFL. Um, something that p- players are becoming more more aware of year after year. Uh, can you tell us what a, the concussion protocol looks like now in the NFL? Because I know that there used to be concussion grades and there used to be a lot of different ways that people would measure concussions. What does it look like now? Right. Yeah, so the, so one of the things to really think of is um, when we talk about concussions, you know, a lot of people still like to talk about the grade. Is it a mild concussion, a severe concussion? The bottom line is, just like pregnancy there's no are you kind of pregnant or sort of pregnant you either are or you aren't so either you have a concussion or you don't there really isn't a gradation for it you know the uh the way the concussion protocol used to be is that every single player would get a neurologic neuropsychologic workup before the preseason began and then if there was any kind of head traumatic issue that happened through preseason or, you know, the season or postseason, that same test would be repeated. And if there was any difference between the two with that associated head trauma, boom, they would, uh, these players would be into the NFL concussion protocol and they would be out until their testing was back to normal. And basically what would happen is every day uh, the player would be tested again uh, by, by either the team docs or uh, a neurologist or a neuropsychologist or something like that. This year, it's changed, and, and one of the reasons it's changed is this, this whole perception that the NFL is not being aggressive enough on concussions, they're not taking an aggressive stand on term, uh, tr- the, the future of traumatic brain injuries, and are they letting teams and coaches um, really make the call on the field? And so uh, the NFL continues every year to try to, make this a little bit more independent. So as of this year, in the press box, there's supposed to be an independent athletic trainer spotter program is what they're called. And basically, these guys are trainers who are constantly scanning the field throughout the entire game, trying to spot anybody on the field who may look distressed or disoriented. And if they spot somebody, they get pulled out to the sideline and they get evaluated. That evaluation is still the neuropsychological testing that is compared at the time of the sideline to what the what the player had before the season started. In addition, they've got neurotraumatic consultants, so guys who are neurologists who who understand 
a brain trauma who are on the sideline. They're not affiliated with the teams. They're not affiliated um, with with either side, and they're really supposed to be independent clinicians who are going to assess these guys and make the call of, yes, you're in, or no, you're out of the game. And so that has been the evolution for this year on the way the concussion protocol will be handled. Wow, okay. That's that's a step in the right direction, I think, for the NFL a little bit, especially with what's been going on with their, their image and, and concussions in general. Um, to bring it, I guess, to a little yeah. bit... Okay. I was just going to say, you know, this is actually, unfortunately for the NFL, this is kind of, uh, this is a big, big PR issue for the NFL that every year you're going to see is going to be heightened in, in, its, in its concern because um, there is more evidence mounting that there is traumatic brain issues that are happening in the NFL. And it doesn't have to even be related to one concussion or two concussions. It can be what we call sub concussion trauma. So think about the O-line and the D-line. Those guys are going at battle in the trenches every single snap, right? But they may not get a concussion, but they're getting the head trauma still. And there's some increasing evidence suggesting that even that repetitive trauma to the head may cause traumatic brain issues or CTE, right? Um, And so this is going to become bigger and bigger problems. And, And you can think about it from a PR perspective because as parents who are loving NFL are watching this and they get worried about traumatic brain issues for their kids for the future, how many parents are responsibly going to let their kids play peewee football or, or any kind of uh, contact football at a younger age? And so if you don't have the youth getting into, in, into NFL programs or, or into football programs early on and then eventually into high school, um, you may start losing your, your market share, you know, Goodell wants to, to grow the, the league, and he really wants it to be, you know, three, three times the revenue that it is now. The only way you do that is got to keep longevity going. So this is a big problem for the NFL. And look for the NFL to, in my opinion, do what soccer has done, which is in youth soccer, you cannot head the ball until the age of 12. So that is no longer allowed in the country. All leagues are supposed to follow that rule. You cannot head the ball till 12 years or above. I would not be surprised that at some point in the near future, you will see every single football program for kids under the age of 12 or 13 stop uh, um, contact football. You may see flag football or you know no pads or something will change where you cannot you know uh, wear helmets and, and go head to head. Um. Yeah, I mean, they definitely they definitely have had a PR problem on their hands for the last couple of years. Um, to bring it to, I guess, a little bit more of a specific player situation right now, because I mean, there's always players seems recently to go be going under the concussion protocol. Um, right now, the concern for me is is John Brown of the Arizona Cardinals. He's been in the concussion protocol for about two weeks now. Um, what is what does that say about a player? who's taking this long to come back from a concussion protocol, and what's the norm in that situation? Yeah, so uh, unfortunately, there is no norm. So unlike an ACL or Achilles, I can tell you, hey, this is the usual timeline for players to get back on the field. With a concussion, it's just not there. We don't have those norms because every single concussion is very different. And And it's probably for multiple reasons that we can't give you a timeline. Number one, we don't have great diagnostics. As physicians, we're taking care of these athletes. We don't have a great way to know how bad that, that brain trauma is. You know, you can get an MRI, but it doesn't really give you the information you need. So we don't have a good way to diagnose this, which is why we don't have a great way to treat it, which is why we can't give you a great timeline. So, yeah, he's, he's about 17 days into the, the concussion protocol, and he's not cleared yet. Obviously, the longer it takes for him to get back, the more I am worried in a position about what kind of long-term brain trauma there is. But even that, there's been no great data showing that the longer it takes to get back, that means that you have a higher risk of long-term brain trauma. So this is a, an evolving, moving target for us. Hmm. So when it comes to player and player conditioning, what are the risks of a player coming in, coming out of, coming in out of shape or overweight? 
Well, you know, out of shape, overweight, you know, you're, you're deconditioned. It's just like one of us, you know, sitting there all winter long and going out and trying to play play ball, you are at increased risk of injuries, strains, uh, tears, and and so that's the biggest problem. And, and for a, you know, for skilled position guys who may be deconditioned or overweight, that can be problematic in terms of their performance on the field. So, you know, you got a running back or a wide receiver or a cornerback who's gained 20, 30 pounds, and they gained weight that's not smart weight, okay? So weight where it's unintentional. Maybe, you know, they're eating their donuts and their hamburgers and cheeseburgers and pizzas, and it's, it's not smart weight. That's not, a, that's not good weight to put on. Good weight you put on is obviously you, you're working with a nutritionist, you're working with the trainers, and you're, you say, hey, I want to bulk up 10, 15, 20 pounds, but I want to do it the right way off-season. I want to get the proteins I need, the carbs I need, do a well-balanced diet, and, and really work on bulking up versus just gaining weight for the sake of gaining weight. Is there, so it's a big problem. Is there any concerns for players that decide to bulk up? Is there, is there any added risk of injury or decreased risk, risk of injury? For example, like Jeremy Langford this offseason, people have been kind of actually worried that he's tried to bulk up to try to see if he could break more tackles and be a little bit more of a of a heavy runner. Is, is that anything that's concerning at all medically? Not from, again, if it's smart weight, as I call it, not really. Now, from a performance standpoint, it may be an issue. You know, you get a running back who, who gains 20, 30 pounds. Does that, does that uh, slow down his running? Yeah, he may be a more powerful runner, but is he less quick? Is he less efficient on the field? Does, can he make the, the cuts that he needs to? So those implications may be there as you gain weight as a wide receiver or as a running back. But in terms of an injury perspective, as long as it's smart weight, I'm not so concerned about it. So, so to contrast that, if a player loses 20 pounds, is that a is that a big deal coming into the next season? They're 231, and Jalen Strong lost 20 pounds coming at 211 this right. season. Is that is that something we should be worried about? Yeah. So it's almost a similar analogy. If they're if they're losing fat, they're really optimizing their muscle, dropping their 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 body fat. I have no problem with it. But if it's just you know, atrophy and, and you're losing some muscle mass and you're losing fat, then I get more worried about it. So it's it's really a matter of the way it, the players go about doing it. And obviously for, for him, it's, it, he's going to have the trainers involved, he'll have the nutritionists involved. So to me, I, I'm sure it's more of, more of uh, the, the unneeded weight that he, he lost. All right, so I, now I kind of want to get in, into a couple of, of specific player situations. We've seen this week um, several of the ACL guys, Jamal Charles, uh, Jordy Nelson, they've all come back and, and been taken off the pup after tearing their ACLs last year. Um, is there any reason to expect a setback, um, any reason to be concerned now that they're off the pup? Or is you know ACL injury just kind of uh, the new ho-hum, easy-to-come-back-from thing? Not easy to come back from, but... Um, right, <laughs> but uh, is it well, just? I, I was about to say it's not easy to come back from. But no, you're exactly right. You know, ACL has become so common now that we don't even think twice about it. We expect players to come back. We expect them to do it well. You know, the the problem is when you have players that come back at six months and they break the normal medical timelines, and we all scratch our heads and say, "How did that guy do it?" I mean, that's those are the anomalies. But to see players come back nine, ten, eleven months at an ACL. We expect them to do that, and we expect them to do well. Jordy Nelson, unfortunately, had a little hiccup on the road. He had the right ACL reconstructed, but his left, uh, sorry, his right knee ACL reconstructed, and he started having left knee problems uh, with a tendonitis issue, which finally resolved. Comes off the pup list, and I expect that to be behind him as long as the the uh, Packers really kind of nurse him along. You don't want to re injure that or or re irritate that left knee because I think that may become a bigger issue for him than his right knee. Jamal Charles, same thing. I, I just think that enough time's gone on since surgery. He's got 9, 10, 11 months under his belt. The ACLs, to me, are not a, an issue. Um, obviously, you know, the one issue is uh, one player who's, who's seeming to have a, a little bit of an issue is Kelvin Benjamin. <clears throat> but, but even so, I, I think he's going to be fine when, when the season starts out. 
You know, they're they're saying Kelvin Benjamin's going to play. I saw a report that he's going to play without a knee brace on the knee. Is that something that uh, is typical, playing with a knee brace and after an ACL injury, and is it worrisome that he won't be doing so? Yeah, so back in the day, we used to really push guys to wear ACL braces um, to try to protect the knee as best we could. I mean, that's really kind of a, an old way of doing things. More, more often than not, if they're falling within the normal timeline of 9 to 11 months, you know, you just get them back out there. They're, they're already reconditioned pretty well. They've got the agility. They've got the neuromuscular training that they need to really stabilize that, that knee. We really don't uh, necessitate a knee brace, and I'm not concerned that he's not wearing one. Okay, um, that's actually that's that's good. I, I'm I'm always a little weary about guys with ACLs, even though we've seen so much progress in the last few years with that with that specific injury. Um, what about a guy like Dion Lewis, who is still not off the pup? And even though, like, right. in minicamp, he looked like he was going to be fine. Everything seemed like it was ready to go for the season. Is 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 he somebody that we should start being concerned about at this point? So, you know, he had his ACL back in November. Again, it can take up to 11 months for these guys to get back on the field. So, uh, to me, I don't get worried until we pass the November 1 timeline of this year. Once we pass November 1, if he's not back on the playing field, then I get worried that something's going on. Either that knee's not stable or he's not been able to gain enough strength to stabilize that knee and he can't get out there. But at this point, you know, you'll have spurts of, of these guys looking good and then they may flare it up and then they have to, you know, back down a little bit. I'm not so concerned. Um, the interesting thing that you kind of alluded to is you, as, as a fan, you worry about ACLs and actually... As a fantasy owner, you do have to worry about ACLs a little bit because uh, we did a study uh, looking at NFL players who had ACL tears, and 30% of them never get back onto the onto the playing field. So I, I know we kind of are nonchalant about ACLs nowadays because people, you know, the big name guys are able to get back, but you do have 30% of these guys who cannot get back onto the playing field, and even if they can, we often see a drop in performance. All right, so I'm going to ask you a question you probably don't have the answer to, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Will Deion Lewis sure. play week one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the answer to that, but given how things are evolving, and again, this may change week to week, but as it stands today, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not suited up the first game of the season. All right, well, that sucks. I really like Deion Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, things can change. You know, like I said, it's a week-to-week thing. Well, there goes my rankings. All right, rest <laughs> in peace, rankings. All right, Armando, take us home with the uh, last couple questions. So I was wondering, which player are you going to be watching going into week two the closest as far as injury goes? You know, Jory Nelson or, you know, who are you thinking about watching? You know, the biggest guy, uh, to me, one of the biggest impact players coming off an injury is Jordy Nelson. We kind of talked about him already. The the biggest concern I have is this left knee. I don't. I'm not worried about the ACL knee. When I hear tendonitis issues, and when I hear that a guy has missed so much of his preseason because of a tendonitis issue, I get worried. And my biggest concern is, you know, Jordy Nelson's a competitive guy. He wants to get out there. He wants to help the Packers win. And week one, they throw him in there, and he's just not ready for it. And they overuse him, and he overdoes it. He flares this up and he now can't perform, and now you start seeing him throughout the season being out, you know, for a while, coming back in, being out, and kind of swinging back and forth. That's the biggest guy that I'm worried about from an injury perspective, um, who I think would be a big impact impact player for fantasy owners. Okay. And what about Ladarius Green and his migraines? What, what should we know about that? You know, it's a big deal right now, talking about retirement and all that. Yeah, you know, so here here we go with the, you know, it goes back to our concussion discussions. There's uh, some concern uh, from their screens uh, camp that, you know, did the Chargers system uh, not appropriately treat his concussions. And sometimes, actually, if you look at some of the things they're saying, sometimes they're feeling like the medical staff overcalled it. Sometimes they feel like they undercalled it. What's the truth? I don't really know. But... He certainly has had multiple concussions through the course of his career, and now he's got these lingering headaches that don't seem to go away. 
And that is something that we worry about with post-concussion syn- syndrome and, and long-term issues with uh, individuals who've had multiple concussions. Not everybody has those, those issues, but when you start hearing a guy who's, who's struggling and may actually retire because of it, you worry about this post-concussion syndrome issue. What, what's like the, uh, I mean, you, another question you may or may not have the answer to, what's like the underlying cause of those headaches? Is there some sort of brain swelling, damage, anything that's, that's going on there? Yeah, great question. We just don't know. We don't know yet. You know, the problem with concussions is that it's not at a, it's not like a person has a stroke and it wipes out a big portion of the brain. Concussions really is at a cellular level, and and we don't have a great way of evaluating persons, people while they're living on a cellular level. You know, Boston University has become really big in the concussion world because a lot of these players now are donating their brains, and after death, post mortem, you get a chance to look at their brains and say, "Holy, you know, crap! This is an issue here. There's there's problems with multiple areas in the brain that probably were traumatized." at a cellular level, and we just can't figure that out now. So to answer your question, what's driving the headaches? Who knows? We just don't know. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> yes. That's, I mean, that's, it's incredibly interesting, and I mean, it's definitely something that, I mean, I think more and more players are going to end up going the route of retiring early, um, going the route of, you know, I, I don't want to damage my brain for the future. Um I think yeah. uh, there's just it's been a a snowball effect where you know a couple years ago what happened with Junior Seau and then people started looking right. into you know uh, CTE and then you had that concussion movie come out and like more and more spotlights being put on this situation that I mean <laughs> I if someone told me you know 30 years from now the NFL wouldn't exist I, I wouldn't be surprised because it's just such a violent sport um, that people really shouldn't be playing. <laughs> well, so, I mean, and they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, they're quicker, right? So they're smacking each other even more. And here's the thing. It's, it's not about just making a better helmet. It's not that simple. Because it's not just the impact. You know, it's like if I gave you a balloon and I filled it with water and I put a, an, an egg in it, right? I can build a shell around that balloon as best as I can, but what's really the problem is that that head is, or the balloon, is changing directions so quickly. And as it changes directions, the, the egg that's in that balloon hits up against the balloon wall. And that's the problem. The brain is, in, is surrounded by liquid in the skull. And, and it's the change of direction, sudden change of direction of the head that caused the brain to smack up against the, the skull. And that's the problem. So it's not an easy solution where you say, hey, let's just get a better mousetrap. Let's build a better helmet. It's a little bit more, unfortunately, difficult than that. So part of this, from my opinion, part of the solution may be going back to what what they did in the NFL early on, which is get rid of the helmets. Put them back into leather helmets, right? And now suddenly people can't do as much damage with their head because – they don't feel as indestructible. I know it's kind of, uh, it's almost a flippant response and people think I'm crazy, but you didn't see as many concussions back then. Right. And, and so maybe that's the route you start going to. And if you look at rugby, they don't have as many concussions as you see in the NFL. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, people are, are tackling the way they show in youth football where they're, you know, getting in low into people's midsections or, you know, not trying to dive straight forward with your head. Um, basically using shoulder pads as weapons, and um, th- that's the issue. But then the other issue is people don't want to have their knee blown out and ruin their season, and so they don't go right. low in the end. So, Well, uh, Dr. Pareka, we really just want to thank you for joining our show again. Um, it's, it's always a pleasure to get some of this great insight on some of these injuries that guys like us are just trying to wrap our head around and understand a little better, um, and it really, it really helps to you know, get that fantasy knowledge broken down into words we can understand. <laughs> Absolutely. And, hey, if any of your listeners want to during the, during the season at any point during the week, uh, tweet out to me uh, players that they're interested in or want to take a, get a take on an injury, 
reach out to me on Twitter at SeelenParekMD. That's S-E-L-E-N-E-P-A-R-E-K-H-M-D. And you can always check out my YouTube channel, The Fantasy Doctor, for in-depth videos onto many of these injuries that, that I'll talk to you about a little bit more. Yeah, we, we went ahead and we set up uh, Dr. Perek's link right on our website. So if you want to head on to eatsleepfantasy.com, right on the main page, you'll see The Fantasy Doctor. Just click it right there. You'll head on over to his YouTube where you'll see, uh, like he just said, some great information on, on players. Um all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. Head on over, follow Dr. Parekh. He's got some great insights to these injuries like you've already heard. And uh, have a good night, Doctor. Great. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, that's going to pretty much wrap it up for this episode of Eat Sleep Fantasy. Please, please, please send Dale pictures of Derek Carr as a raisin. <laughs> He's raisin. <laughs> <laughs> have a good night. Good night. And we like to play till the sun go down Yeah, we like to play till the sun go down Then we take that town, then we take that town